some of the titles that ChatGPT came up with. Tuesdays with the financial planners, investing in retirement strategies. That feels like Tuesdays with Maury. Like that. <laughs> yeah, that was done. Um, investing in your future, a weekly podcast with two CFPs. These ChatGPT came up with absolute, absolutely the most boring possible titles for a, an investor. Did, did you say podcast? I did the prompt, you know, chat GBT is all about prompts. And so give me, I said, give me 10 titles for an investing podcast between two certified financial planners that takes place on Tuesdays because the more, the more specific you are, the better it is. And I can vouch for that because I use this with As the kid bedtime stories. Like I've told you. Oh yeah. Um, so it gave really lousy results. And so I said, give me 10 clever or funny titles. And it came up with like the retirement hoot nanny, a podcast. <laughs> Bingo. Well, I mean, like, what? <laughs> it's got to be clean. You said funny, like it's got to be like you know, it's like it's got to be short, right? It's not gonna. I don't know. Yeah, we'll workshop these. Yeah, we'll workshop these. You're listening to Financial Insights, a podcast that helps investors through the difficult maze of financial planning and saving for retirement. I'm Brian Ullman, and I'm a financial advisor and certified financial planner at Ford Financial Group. And together with some guests and other advisors at my firm, we're talking about the issues and questions relating to finance that face our clients every day. All right. Welcome back to the latest installment of one of the Ford Financial Group webinars, web series, web broadcasts. I'm not sure exactly what we're calling it. Ryan and I, I'm joined with Ryan Louie, who's one of the advisors in our office and a certified financial planner. My name is Brian Ullman. I'm also an advisor and certified financial planner at Ford Financial Group. Uh, and we do these videos from time to time to keep clients um, updated on what's going on, provide a little bit of perspective on investing and retirement planning, of course. Um, and we've done, we've typically done these on Fridays, but Ryan, we've been trying to come up <laughs> with an idea for a, a new name for these in case we're not posting them on Fridays because casual Friday doesn't cut it on a Tuesday, does it? No, no, yeah, that might be a little bit confusing. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, if you're watching this or if you're listening to this on the podcast and you have ideas for our new web series that we're doing midweek, uh, you can email them to us at info at fordfg.com. Um, we are all ears for your suggestions. If you're watching this on our YouTube channel, I would say subscribe. So that way uh, you don't miss out on uh, new episodes that Ryan and I record uh, a little bit more regularly than we've done here in the recent past. And if you're listening to this or you're, you, this has been forwarded to you on a podcast, you can find us um, the audio versions of this posted on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, you can subscribe there. So you can at least listen if you're not watching some of the charts. We'll try and include some of the charts and some, some of the show notes on the podcast recordings there. So, all right, Ryan, let's dig in because it, it, it's it been a while since we've done one of these. I know uh, you've done, we've done the casual Fridays, um, podcast, webcast, video recording, uh, that we do on Fridays, kind of when the market, we have the luxury on Fridays of having kind of knowing usually when we're recording this about how the market's closed for the week. Um, we don't have that exactly right now, but we can say, even if we just look year to date, things have gone, things have gone pretty well. I mean, it, you think NASDAQ's up almost 20% year to date, S&P's up almost eight and a quarter. I mean, is this how you saw 
the first almost four months of the year going? No, I mean, obviously we came off of a tough, uh, a tough year last year and started off hot and gave it all back. It seemed like in February and surprisingly, the market is very hard to predict as, as many people probably can guess. Um, we had a, a even like March was a bank debacle was happening, right? And it was scaring yes. everyone with everything with, that was happening with the bank. But surprisingly, it didn't really affect the markets that much. On a, there was a few days here and there in which it did, but overall... Sure. The markets were relatively quiet given all the issues. And again, if you knew that there was a banking issue that was going to go on with this kind of news, I think most people would have guessed that there would have been a lot more volatility. But again, it's hard to predict which way which way the market's going to go based upon what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Here, I'm going to um, I'm gonna share my screen and everybody can kind of take a look. This is this is how things, you know, we were talking. This is year to date. Um, just kind of looking at. um the Nasdaq, Dow, um, S and P, and the Russell, which not a whole lot of people follow, but you can you can see here, um, even if we pull this back, like this is the banking stuff right here, right? This yeah. is we were kind of humming along. We we hit peaks in February, mid February, early February, um, and then we were kind of meandering. I guess maybe markets kind of sensing that there is trouble afoot with banks, but then you know we got this this dip, but then we become charging, especially. Um, tech stocks, mega cap tech, you know, they're charging, they're charging back. Now, if you go for the rolling one year, um, uh, Dow is still doing well. But I think if you would ask anybody at this point, if they thought over the last 12 months of the Dow was down only one and a third percent, they probably wouldn't have believed you. I mean, right. even the NASDAQ's down only almost six. Yeah. I think there's a little bit behind this in terms of, we've heard this before where, you know, from, from the stock market world, that bad news could be good news. Um, and from this standpoint, I think that everyone as investors wants interest rate hikes from the Fed to be done with. And so, you know, maybe the banking issues helped solidify that interest rates can't go up forever. Not that they were ever going to, but it, it right. seemed like it. Um, and maybe that that put a more immediate cap on the interest rates. Well, the, the Fed certainly has said as much. They, they, they think a recession's on the way. They've said so. Um, their, their staff report in the FOMC minutes said so. Um, and, and so I think whether they raise rates another quarter percent or not, what's the difference? We're, we're there. Sure. We've reached right. the finish line. Um, and then, so the question is what happens next? Are markets being overly optimistic about what's coming? Yeah. I would say they're being aggressively optimistic saying the fed's going to cut rates. I think, uh, you picked out our next chart that we're going to review, Ryan, um, which is the Fed interest rates and expectations. Um, you know, this is not just, this comes from the JP Morgan uh, Guide to Markets. Uh, and this is showing what the Fed expectate, where the Fed's been and the Fed expectations uh, versus market expectations. Um, they're not aligned, right? Yeah. Well, there's a few things to probably take away. It's kind of nice to, um, see the history of where Fed funds rates have gone, just because you can see here, you know, we were over over 15 years ago, we were at about these interest rates for a little while before they came down. And then you could also see in the kind of the early 2000s, interest rates were even higher than where we are now. Um, yeah. You know, there's a couple of takeaways I kind of see from this chart, which is once interest rates gets to, you know, they get to their highs, they don't usually stay there too, too long. Um, that was one of the narratives too, that, we were dealing with not that long ago, a couple months ago, was that the thought was 
they were going to raise interest rates and kind of keep the interest rates high for longer than we expected. Um, but then you kind of look at these expectations, which are these different, uh, you know, lines at um, the green and the blue lines. It maybe shows that really we're not going to stay high for very long. Um, it, it, we don't know, but but you know, even the history doesn't even know, right? Yeah, well, even the history of things, the last three times, you know, the um, interest rates didn't stay long forever. No, um, they, not forever, but they did stay. They didn't, I guess they didn't peak and come right back down. Because if you go, a couple of things strike me in this chart. One is rates have been higher in the past, but they, I don't think they, the way, how, the speed at which we moved higher is different. This also doesn't tell the whole story, right? Because yeah. the money supply is going down. Um, the Fed is, has quantitative tightening at play, not just easing. And so, you know, what they're doing with rates is only a piece of kind of the whole story of the Fed trying to cool things off. But you can look back, whether you're looking back kind of uh, what, 2000 right there, you look back 05, rates plateaued for a while. And even though the market expectation is for, well, it's pretty clear that there's an expectation, at least by some, that they're going to cut rates later this year. I, I think that the Fed is going to have this kind of plateau for how long I don't know but I think ideally if they're not breaking anything and they don't have any more banks failing I think the Fed would like to keep rates at five percent for the balance of the year yeah um, I think from a, like an know? inflation standpoint they would love to keep the interest rates just flattened out and high high for longer um, yep. but I think that on with the, the banking issues that have happened recently um, they they may not be able to potentially there's maybe some some underlying issues that would lead them to need to maybe lower interest rates potentially just to, to help out some of the banks potentially. Yeah. Um, obviously if a recession comes, that's the big wild card. We right. know what the reaction typically is for uh, a rece- a future recession is they use, they use interest rates as a tool to get us back out. So there's, there's a lot of, you know, ifs to, to all of this. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, no one knows the Fed doesn't even know because it's dependent on a few things um, happening or not happening. Right. Whether it's a recession and they need to do something, the banks need to do something. I I, I think, though, uh, the Fed is going to hold out as long as they can. And if the Fed has a tendency to be late, they could even be late on this situation. I just don't think rates are their ammunition to fight fires. Right. It, well, that's I'm mixing up my analogies here. It's the it's the water that they use to fight fires, and if we have a fire beginning, um, they don't want to use all of that too early. They want to be able to know that they have to deploy that right. And so, if they can keep rates at five, then they um, they can cut rates when things get bad without having to start doing quantitative easing and things. Like yeah, that. well, I think that their biggest fear probably is, of course, lowering interest rates too soon. Inflation goes back up. Right. And, and that, that could happen because if we think about um, people's expectations and they see the, the inf- uh, interest rates go down, people are more likely to spend money. Um, right. You know, if, in, if interest rates go down, as we've already seen the last month or so with the expectation that's going to come down, the markets go up. People have more money in their investment accounts. Again, they're more likely to spend money. And that leads to potential inflation going back up again, which is their number one concern. Sure. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I it's going to be interesting to watch this play. I I think the thing that everybody can agree on is that no one knows. No one knows for sure. Always. Um, I and so we're left with looking at history and saying what goes on in history. I think the next slide that we've got here 
is another one from the the JP Morgan Guide to Markets. Um, now this is this is current through the end of the quarter, and I know that we just looked at what the S and P is doing. It's doing a little bit better than what's shown here, um, but this is intra year declines versus calendar year returns, and I, I I love this one, and it's especially helpful when we look and see okay how bad can things get and still rebound. And what what I find interesting is that you can get pretty deep um, drawdowns and still make it back to break even. And in this year, you know, we've got we're down eight percent was the maximum drawdown, and that's probably that eight what went on with the banking issues that were going on. But we're still up seven percent on the year through the first quarter uh, on the S and P. And more importantly, we have many more good years than bad. Um, and rarely finish at the depths of where markets were. Last year, S&P was down 19%, but at the October lows, we were down 25% on the year. Um, yeah, the hard, you know, the hard thing about knowing, I guess, again, as we said, the, you can't guess where the markets are going to go. No. But you look at this, and you, there's only really the, right in the middle of the chart, you had the early 2000s where we had yep. multiple years down. But you know, most of the other times, you have a year that goes down and then you have multiple years afterwards that goes up. Um, Obviously we are hoping that that is the case this time around as well, as we don't want to have to have a repeat of there. Well, let's talk about that stretch though. That, that was a tech bubble burst that probably would have been digested in a year. But then on top of that, you've got nine 11 Mm -hmm. and on top of that, you've got the Enron accounting scandal. It was tied in with a recession that was going on. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a mess. And uh, everybody forgets we were mailing out stimulus checks in the early 2000s. We were doing something. We were fighting those kinds of fires. And, um, you know, we I would say the kind of difficulty that we've had so far um, hasn't, you know, whether it's where the blowout and crypt the spectacular blowout in cryptocurrency last year, or just the revaluation of some of those tech names that are the COVID darlings, it hasn't infected everything else the way maybe the tech bubble popping did in the early 2000s. Um, but in in many of these, you can go back whether you're looking at 1981, you're looking at the early 90s, early 2000s. Interest rates go up, they pop some sort of bubble that's festering, and then interest rates go back down, and you have this solid run going forward. Um, you know, even if you look in just 2018, that negative 6% with a 20% drawdown, um, interest rates were rising, right? Right. Go back to this 2018, right? Rates were going up. And so you can, lots of things go into this, but you can pretty reliably say rates go up. We endure the pain rates, go back down and things carry on. Um, right. I don't know. This to me looks like the beginnings of things carrying on. There is forever this debate going on right now of are the October lows it or are we going to have capitulation at some point down the road where markets flush and we finally get it out of our system and break the fever? Um, I don't know. Do you want to weigh in? Do you think the October lows are it? I, th- I think from my professional opinion, it all we our market is going to be dependent upon if we have that recession or not. And it seems as if you can flip a coin, whether, you know, you ask, you get, commentary on it, you know, it seems like half the people say yes, half the people say no. Some people say, say we're already in it. You know, it's all of these different things. And you could get into the definition of a recession and recessions don't happen when jobs are this good. I mean, there's all kinds of different components to this, but. So, so you're I, saying that if we get a recession, 
then we will find new lows in the S&P, for example. I mean, historically, if you have a recession- It's not priced in yet, in other words. Yes, right, right. So, so historically, if you have a recession, you don't price in the lows of the market before the recession was even, even happened, right? That's for 500 days that's, that's before the recession? Like, like the market found its bottom before things actually even got bad. Like that, that doesn't make sense. Um, yeah. So think about from that terms, if we were to, to, to go into recession, I do think we will see much more volatility probably you would see something lower than the October lows. Um, but then again, you know, maybe yep. there's something that, that allows us to escape it and then the market, the markets are fine. And again, this is what makes the markets so, so difficult. It's because I don't think that we really can feel, feel if we're definitively heading to a recession at this point. Well, having the market peak almost 500 days before the recession, you're right, is, is early. But we're we're living through first, so who knows, right? Yeah, who knows? Exactly. I mean, I don't know. You can ask. You can ask ChatGPT what it thinks about the recession. There you go. Well, I, well <laughs> we've never done this before, right? You know, we haven't we haven't shut down the economy and flooded the system with money and ran kept interest rates artificially low. And at the same turn, like we just we haven't done all these things. This is still we're still digesting our COVID policies. And just like we didn't, we we're kind of trying to figure it out as we were going with COVID. We're trying to figure it out as we're going after COVID. And that's why, as we sit here, we joke around. There's no telling. There's no telling if a recession is a soft landing, if we're going to have, you know, unemployment rates, three percent. What if it's six percent? OK, well, that's not that's not great if you're losing your job, but it's also not as bad as what we've had in the last couple of decades. I don't know. It's kind of it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But if this always this chart always kind of provides a little bit of peace, right? Where you say, okay, it's it's very rarely as bad as the the depths of the year, and then you start stringing these years together, and you have more good than bad. Without yeah, I would say like a, a very good takeaway for this is that as everyone knows, there's there's lots of volatility in the markets. You're going to have your downs. You have to almost really be willing to obviously accept these downs uh, sure. down markets that you have. Yep. In order to get the good markets, which is all those those lines of positive returns that happened in most of the years, right, right. Well, and it's and it's it's some of this is investment performance, but also some of it is for investors. It comes down to your diligence, not cutting and don't cut and run. You want to make sure that you've got your portfolio situated in a way that works for you and your finances. And part of what I was talking to a client earlier today, you know, talking about how, how, you know, he's uh, in his forties, he wants to really kind of start supercharging his investment portfolios. And, you know, I was talking with him and I said, it, it's two things. It's investment returns and contributions. If, if you can contribute like crazy, your savings account, but if you're not getting any return on your money, you, you're not going to see the kind of growth that you're talking about. Likewise, if you just, if you contribute once to your investment account and relying on the market to grow and compound year over year over year, um, you're not going to see that supercharge. It's, it's two things. It's contribution or three things. Contributions, returns, time, right? All in that right. same cauldron working together. Yeah, and I, through, I, I usually tell people, obviously, the, the one thing that you have control over is the contributions that you could be making, right? If you can sure. keep contributing, the more that you can contribute, if you can, you know, um, you know, cut back on some of your personal finances or spending that especially things that you're not using or doing anyways, and can then contribute more. Those are the things that are going to add to it because you're not going to a have control of the markets. B if you're counting on something like an 18% annualized return for the next 20 years to get to your goals, 
that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. And so therefore you got to make up for getting to your goals by putting more money in and trying to find out how you can do that. Well, you're, it's, it's too important to go for broke. Like when I'm, when I'm playing, like when I'm playing tennis against you, I'm not good enough <laughs> to play conservatively. I've got to go for it because you're too good. Um, but you, that's not an investment strategy. That's not a retirement planning strategy. And so kind of in that same vein, well, we can wrap up with this, with this last chart that we've got here. I think it's interesting. This is a withdrawal, uh, uh, how withdrawal rates affect the longevity of your portfolio. And this starts in the year 2000. Um, and your, your, your withdrawal rates determined by your first withdrawal rate here. So it's not adjusting, but it adjusts for inflation as it goes. And you can see if you had $500,000 and, and starting in 2000 and you had an 8% rate of withdrawal, you would have been out of money a decade ago. Uh, whereas if you had a 7% rate of withdrawal, you'd be out of money, um, but you would have lasted even longer. But look at who, if someone's with that 4% withdrawal rate. Um, yeah, you're not at your all-time high that you were at January of last year, but are you really sweating it? You've been getting uh, more than two decades of withdrawals helping to subsidize your, helping to supplement your retirement income through Social Security pensions or whatever. And, and you have about the same amount. And you have about the same amount. And to add to that, you know, they started this at the one of the, the worst markets we've had in, in quite a oh. while. And then in to on top of it, you have the 2008 market, which was um, a horrific mar market by all standards. And then you had COVID. Yep. And, you know, so we've had some very bad markets in the last, call it 23, 23 years. Well, talk about sequence of returns. I mean, that's we'll mm -hmm. save that for another one of these. But your three of your negative years came right out of the gate mm -hmm. and you're still okay. And you've had the worst financial crisis in your lifetime in 08 and you're still okay. Uh, so this, this goes back to the same thing that we were just talking about where the things that you can control, right? On, on the front end, when you're saving money and you're trying to build up your retirement, the one thing you can control is putting more away into your retirement. Right. Um, on the back end of things, the idea is to not withdraw too much money on an annual basis that could end up, you know, really hurting your situation. And sometimes I will say this, it's it, for clients that I've worked with, um, it's not always the annual distribution, right? It's not saying, oh, okay, I'm going to take out 8%, which is a high number. You know, it's probably therefore not going to last the person's entire retirement because it's, sure. it's too high of a withdrawal. You also have the clients that will they'll take a monthly withdrawal, but then periodically they take out lump sums. Right. And yep. so it, while it's not a, you know, 8% a year, you know, it's every couple of years they take out an extra, you know, 10,000, $20,000 to do this, to, to do that. And that help that really does speed up the, um, you know, the decline of the account value as well. When you're, when you're doing those one off withdrawals on top of everything else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I think I think these charts are kind of telling, right? Because it, whether you're talking, I mean, the Federal Reserve one is interesting and it provides some history, but especially the last two, whether it's the performance of the S&P over time or your withdrawal rate, this is about diligence. This is a game of years. It's a longevity thing uh, of, of discipline more than it is. What's the market doing today and what's the best stock pick? And are you doing growth or value or large or small or domestic or international? It's like... All that stuff kind of washes away when you pull the lens back and say, okay, more broadly, you know, how do these things operate? And hopefully that gives everybody a little bit of understanding 
and when you have some understanding, it provides a little bit of patience as well, you know? Um, I think we're going to leave it there. Those are three charts, Ryan. We'll, we'll do this more often. Um, so that way we can kind of keep up with some, maybe some current events. Um, you know, yeah, hopefully we can just bring, yeah, current events, talk about them, give people some of what our thoughts are. Sometimes sure. it's, we sometimes get a good pulse, I feel like, because clients call in um, or when we have meetings with clients, we right. sometimes will get questions, the same questions over and over again, in which case we know if, if you know, three or four clients are thinking about it, that probably means um, a set of other clients are thinking about it but haven't asked yet. So it, this gives us an opportunity to get out and answer some of these concerns and thoughts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we'll keep doing it. Um, I look forward to it, Ryan. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Thanks. The advisors with Ford Financial Group are registered representatives with, and securities are offered through, LPL Financial, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice is offered through Perennial Investment Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Ford Financial Group and Perennial Investment Advisors are separate entities from LPL. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only, and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical, and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged, and may not be invested into directly. Stock investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success, or protects against loss. The economic forecasts set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted. Ford Financial Group, Perennial Investment Advisors, and LPL Financial do not provide tax or legal advice or services. This information is not intended as a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security referred to herein.